It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Adventure has its own style. It's made of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X-Mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com wilderness. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car from True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or at home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. The summer is heating up, which means fall and football are just around the corner. Join our friend Ross Tucker as he gears up for another exciting season and speculates on what you should expect. Download new episodes of the Ross Tucker Podcast and more presented by Bet Online every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One Sportsnet. Hey guys, do you miss when sports networks cover just the news and highlights without the yelling and fake debates? I know I do. That's why I watch CBS Sports HQ. What is CBS Sports HQ? It's the free 24-hour sports network that's built for fans like you and me. I love that I can get tons of highlights, analysis, and instant game reactions, everything that matters about the game without diving into political and social issues like on other sports networks. And if you enjoy placing some bets or competing against your friends in a fantasy league, their experts are always dishing out their top picks and advice to help me win. So check out CBS Sports HQ. It's always on and always free. 
No need to pay a subscription fee or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching today. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Pelizzolo back here with Sam Monson, a beautiful Monday morning. How you doing, Sam? Good, Steve. How about you? Doing great. Game of Thrones is over. It is. We scare people by by spoilers. We can't. People get really mad. I tweeted yesterday. (laughs) All I tweeted was, you guys are going to be upset about the ending to Game of Thrones. And somebody's like, that's it. That counts as a spoiler. You did that way before the thing. Oh, yeah. This was at like 5 o'clock. Right. And, And I think... People assumed that I was like surfing the web for all the spoiler stuff, and I was just saying you're going to be mad. You're going to be mad no matter what. Yeah, happens. you were just making a bad joke. Yes, which is what you do. No, I have good jokes, but that was when I mean, it was the truth. People Everybody was upset. Need to calm down about the whole concept of spoilers. Listen, I watched. So I watch Game of Thrones. It's on at nine o'clock Eastern. I probably watch it between ten, between ten and eleven every week uh-huh. because yeah, right. my wife's just never. People like she's always trying to get a bunch of stuff done before we settle in and do it. So I just don't go on social there's media. There's a degree, yes, there is a degree of personal responsibility to avoiding spoilers, right? Yeah. Usually, what I do is record the thing and I watch it the next night just because there's stuff happening Sunday evenings. Right. Yesterday, I was like, no, because you and Austin, Gail, will ruin it all Monday morning. So I'm going to have to watch it Sunday night. Yeah, you got to watch it Sunday right. night. So I watched it. I, but if, you, if we hadn't it ruined it later. for you, would you just not be on Twitter all day and you'd be seeing memes left and right? But the point is, it would be my fault, right? I know that's happening, so I have to watch it yeah. Sunday night so I can come in on Monday and be prepared to relive the thing along with everybody else. If I didn't do that, it would be my fault. You can't you. go, right, you can't just go, no, sorry, the entire office can't talk about Game of Thrones because I haven't seen it yet. Doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter because they say that's the last show we're all going to watch together. Is it? For whatever it's worth. I don't know. What about, uh, isn't Amazon like doing their own version of the Lord of the Rings series? That could no be idea. the new one. I have no idea. I think they are. This podcast is going to go off the rails if we stay on this any longer. Okay. Change. Um, most importantly, here's what we're doing. The Jets general manager job oh, God. is open. It is. I think this is a golden opportunity for me to throw my name in the hat. In the ring. Okay. This is... My name's in there. This is a That's messed it. up metaphor. Well, my name's out there for the Jets GM job. Yeah? Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. It's a, it's a kind of weird falling upwards, right? To get passed over for the Bengals defensive coordinator job. I don't know now if that's falling now you upwards. Want to be I, don't know GM. I don't know if it's upwards. It's a Jets job. Yeah, but the whole point is you can come in and fix it, right? This is like The job itself isn't bad. It's just that it's... Based know, off what I'm doing here at PFF, this is a lateral move at worst. Well, then why are you... Well, it's probably going to pay a little bit more. That's why. Well, that's but true. as far as what I'm doing, what I'm, what I'm contributing to the well, game on. of football. When, so when you did your Bengals defensive coordinator pitch, you had, a whole, you had a whole spiel planned out. Yeah. Now, you made a mess of it because you didn't roll the minivan down to the stadium and, and pitch them this stuff. You just kind of threw it out there on the podcast and expected that would be good enough. Well, they obviously listen. Well, still, you need to, you know, this is... This is a person-to-person industry, Steve. Yeah. You, you understand how the old boys network works. They need to drive up to the I think you need to be there in person to give them this. But anyway, Let's lay my the point generally is that where's your pitch? 
I'm gonna we're gonna do it right here. Well, come on, give me. What do you got? You want me to start, or with the Bengals thing? You were asking me questions. You were kind of leading me along. Let me start with this: Christopher Johnson, acting owner for the Jets. He's looking for a strategic thinker, a communicator, and a collaborator. Okay. Nothing sums me up better than those three phrases. Those four words. I'm a strategic thinker. That's what I do here. To the point where people get pissed off with how much I'm thinking about the next thing we're going to do, the next thing we're going to build, the next thing we're going to create. That's perfect. Strategic thinker. All I'm thinking about all day uh-huh. is how we're going to take this PFF data and spin it forward and evaluate players at the pro and college level and make better decisions. It's a big part of my big uh, secret gig right now that I'm, that I'm moving forward. They're okay. moving me upstairs in the building here because of my strategic thinking. They are. Not quickly enough, but they are moving you upstairs. So you and I sit right across from each other. That is no longer going to be the case probably as of next week. Yeah. Because of my strategic, strategic thinking. And when you get moved upstairs, I'm going to take your spot because you have the corner. I have the prime spot here. Right. That's another. I mean, I should throw that on the resume. I got a prime spot. Prime real oh, estate in the PFF not sure that's towers. In your case. Okay. So, all right. I'll give you strategic thinker. Fine communicator yeah i mean you know you sit here and i am the face of pff tv one of them <laughs> okay uh collaborator sure all right all I right collab- so, okay all i do is collaborate here so you take christopher johnson's three-word generic job description but what's your plan well we got to start by building around sam donald okay sam donald's our guy right okay um we're gonna invest first off the draft pick situation in the future. We're going to continue to trade. Down. We're going to accumulate draft picks. We're going to accumulate. We're going to understand that we're not going to hit on every single pick, though we are going to raise the hit rate. The goal is to just raise the hit rate by a few percentage points over the next few years, but accumulate more picks. We will find players. We've got to add depth to this roster and build around Sam Darnold. So right. that's the first part offensively. Okay. Defensively, we're going to go back and trade down instead of drafting Quinn and Williams. Can we do that? No. No, we're going to no. build with what we have here. Quinn, I mean, he's a foundational piece. Oh, you can, you Quinn can is a great foundational Quinn. piece. We might need to lock up Leonard Williams, and uh, we've already got Henry Anderson locked up. Yeah, Henry's the big piece, obviously. Are you going to be able to work well, hand-in-hand, hand with Adam Gase? Because that's, that's got to be a critical Absolutely. Part I don't want right? to listen. Did you hear... Or read Adam the Gase has had PFF data. He knows. Right. Did you read the report that was um, <laughs> was kind of documenting quite how chaotic and bad the relationship between Adam Gase and uh, the outgoing GM became, um, which was it became so bad that apparently Adam Gase began passively, aggressively rearranging the furniture in the draft room. Really? <laughs> so it seems. I can deal with that. I can uh, deal with that. I can work with Gase. I don't have great furniture expectations. So apparently he was upset that he was basically not given a voice in the whole pre-draft process. And uh, basically, here we go. It pissed Adam off, a source said. Mike didn't want him to speak up too much. It's a weird philosophy. Uh, Where are we go? As a result, Gase largely washed his hands of the process. As they were setting up for the three days of picking players in April, Gase found that the seat reserved for him next to the CEO, Christopher Johnson, was within range of the war room camera they had placed for the weekend. He literally took his seat and moved it out of the camera's view. The current team employee that was in the room said... Why didn't he want to be on camera? That was extreme. Because they'd, like, cut him out of the process. So he didn't want to have... He didn't want to be tarred with the brush of this is what they're doing. Of Quinn Williams. Right. Interesting. So he, 
we took a seat, took it off, took it out of shot. Well, I'm a collaborator, so I'm going to. I'm going to start gonna, doing that if you take this podcast off the rails. I'm just going to move I'm out of move, shot. Move my chair. You you want no part of it. All right, Steve Palazzolo podcast right here, and I'm pushing for the Jets job. There, so see? here's what we're going to do. We're going to build around Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, trading block. He's out there. Who wants him? Who are we going to sucker in? Raiders? Mayock, get on the horn right now. You want Le'Veon Bell. You got Josh Jacobs. Now you want Le'Veon Bell as well. What do you think of that off camera, Sam? I'm officially absolving myself and washing my hands of this entire Steve GM process. Le'Veon Bell for draft picks. We are going to build depth on this team. There needs to be competition on the offensive line. Things like the, um, uh, what was the, uh, well, they traded uh, what's what was the trade that I liked this off season? <laughs> Let me check. I, hey, I like Chuma Adoga being in here. Yeah, I like I like him being on the squad. All That's right, exactly what I would have done in the third round. The next Kelvin Beecham. This so what was the trade I was looking at this off season <laughs> that I liked? This I liked uh, one, oh Kalichi Osamoli. Let's okay. call Oakland back. Call him back. Yeah, you want to rescind it? Oh no no no! I liked that move. That was oh, great. You want to get more. I want more trade. We want okay. more trades like Sorry. that. We're going to accumulate draft picks so that we can flip more fifth and sixth rounders for guys like Osemele. That's how we're going to build the offensive line. Here's the thing: Have you learned nothing about how corporate uh, jobs work in the world? You need no. a deck. You need a PowerPoint presentation yeah. that shows your vision for the New York Jets. You, were you there? You've been what there, right? Prezi. You went to the... Um, PowerPoint or Prezi? You were at the Jets facility, right? When we did the training camp tour? Yeah. The glorious place. They're well set up for success. Yeah, it's really nice. It's just they've been held back by a lack of vision at the highest level. You apparently have the vision. I'll you build the take all of his three-word you know, requirements, but I don't see a deck. Let's get Gerstel, our deck master over there. Uh-huh. If he helps me out, I will get this job. If he can just pull my thoughts together... You need a presentation. I'm a collaborator. Right. I, need, I need people to help me out slash do work for me. You need to be able to roll into the facility with mm-hmm. your PowerPoint presentation. Ideally, a laptop that's going to work and show it. My laptop's good. And I then see, I'm a vision setter. I set the vision. Other people put it into a deck for me. Okay. Historically. But, uh, you're going to need the deck. I don't care who does it. Okay. You're just going to need one. Okay. We're going we're to work on that. See, this would have been better if you'd had the deck. You could have thrown it on Parker between updates and rebooting and walked everybody through it. But instead, you don't have it. You just, I don't see you getting this job without matter. the 90% day. of our listeners are listeners and not viewers. So they need, I need to paint a picture more than I need to describe it on Parker here. Okay. I just, not so much for the listeners, but for, well, okay. the Jets listeners, the actual people in the building that are going to give you this job. They're going to need the deck. They'll get one. And you're deckless at the moment. They'll get one. When I drop it off at the Meadowlands. Hard copy, too. Yeah. Drop off a hard copy. So... We got a lot to build around Sam Darnold. Yeah, we're going to continue to accumulate wide receivers. We're going to. Sure. Accum- it's just going to be a bunch of accumulation of receivers, playmakers in general, and uh, offensive linemen. I know that Chris Chris Herndon is the starting tight end. I know that that's that's a thing. Huh. We want to upgrade that position though. He, he was all right last year, but we're going to continue to upgrade at tight end. We're going to get lit of uh, Jordan Leggett, one of the backup tight ends. Okay, not a big fan. Right. We're going to trade Le'Veon Bell. He's on the block. You're going to trade him? Yeah, I'm going to call Mayock later today, see if he's interested. I, okay. Look, if I roll in with the deck with a trade that's already ready to go of Le'Veon Bell that's going to bring in assets, I mean, so how could you not? The upshot of your plan is you're going to bring in better players well, across yeah. the board, yeah, except me- Le'Veon Bell, who you're going to ship out because he's a running back. Correct. Okay. Because we don't need Le'Veon Bell. 
So, all right. Fun though it is to walk through this lunacy. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Le'Veon Bell thing, right? Because that came up a couple of times, this idea that the Jets could, could trade him could away trade after him, just yeah. signing him to this giant contract that everybody said was silly in the first place. <clears throat> that might not be the craziest thing in the world for them to do. Remember when the Browns took a lot of, um, they got a lot of credit from some quarters for essentially buying a draft pick from the Houston Texans, right? They traded for Brock Osweiler right. um, and picked up the giant contract to, in order to get the second round pick that was part of the trade. And then obviously they got rid of Brock Osweiler because he sucks. And it was essentially just buying a draft pick. The Jets really effectively would be doing the same thing. They would sign Le'Veon Bell to this monster contract in free agency and then ultimately flip him for the amount they paid him in guaranteed money. Somebody takes over a contract that's less egregious than it would have been right. signing him as a free agent because all the or a ton of the guaranteed money has been taken care of by the Jets, and they give up a draft pick to get him. So the Jets essentially would be doing the same trick. It's a different methodology, but they'd be buying a draft pick by expending a ton of guaranteed money on a guy that they could get rid of. I would, I would explore this strategy further in general. Because, buying draft picks. Yes. Um, and I know the reasoning against it is, well, how much is that second rounder, say, really worth? He's not worth... 15 million or 20 million which is true but the accumulation of draft pick assets is extremely valuable so it's not so much that particular pick it's the fact that you have many picks right then the, you start to manipulate you could trade up when you need to trade down when you need to people i think for players when you want people i think look at this the wrong way where they say well who did that second round pick turn into like it, i mean okay look you could look at it that way and say overall then it's not worth it because you know you essentially missed on the pick. But the point is, drafting generally is still such a low percentage enterprise that you need more opportunities so that when you do yeah. hit, it's, it, is, it's, it makes a huge difference. Well, it, so I don't think you can look at it at who did that guy turn into because automatically everybody is bad at turning one pick into one star. Yeah, not in a one You just need one. more shots at it. But the, like, the way we broke down Seattle a few weeks ago when we said, hey, they gave up this first overall pick for these six players. Right. And over time, it's like, all right, if two out of those six hit, that's 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 worth it. Uh, that's that's the point there. I think there is a viable strategy for these teams like the Jets, who came into the offseason with a ton of cap space, like the Colts and a few other teams that had 60, 70, 80 million dollars worth of cap space. If there are not players to spend that money on, how do you spend it? Do you spend money and then manipulate the system to pick up draft picks? I think it's absolutely something teams should explore. And right. I will as the Jets and they general did. manager. And they did sign and extend a few of their own players. So it's, you know, they kind of, they've done a lot of that work. Right. Now they're still left with this huge chunk of money. What do you do with it? Buying a draft pick is not a terrible way to spend that money. Think anybody will take C.J. Mosley off my hands too? No. While we're here? No. Particularly if you're the player you're getting rid of, essentially, to buy the draft pick is a running back who, as we've spoken at length, is you know, the most replaceable position in the NFL because the yeah. thing that determines if he's going to be successful is the offensive line, the passing attack, you know, whether defenses are going to go light in the box because you're such a good passing attack. All these things are what is going to determine whether Bell is successful more than Bell is. I, I spoke at the, uh, the cool clinic the other night. What is the cool clinic, Steve? Offensive line clinic. Offensive line clinic without a voice crack. Yeah. Hmm. Um, offensive Did line coaches like that when you gave your my voice didn't crack at all. Okay, perfect. Uh, this is my third time 
as a keynote speaker, the cool <laughs> clinic, offensive line, these guys that are all about finishing and you know talking schematics left and right. And I had a whole slide that said, do running backs matter? Hmm. Question mark. And it was appealing to the audience. I was like, I'll have you guys know that your guys do all the work and running backs take all the credit. I think maybe my favorite anecdote about your cool clinic experience is, so Paul Alexander was there, right? Yes. The former, right Bengals, the row, off- former Bengals and Dallas Cowboys offensive line coach. And what does Paul Alexander call you? Oh, he called me Sam. Hmm. He, okay. uh, he had us flipped for probably five years <laughs> as far as names go. I did correct him, though. I tried to... <laughs> I had to set the record straight this time around. Yeah, you'd let it go on long enough. And then the highlight every year is getting introduced by Bob Wiley. Oh, yeah. Very famous Bob Wiley. Set hut. You know, yeah, that, yeah. You know, the gut moving and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bob's always excited. They were selling mugs of the set hut yeah. gut thing. Yeah. I get a point. We'll point I people need, to it. I we mean, need, I to, find we it. need to find those. I think it's you just didn't get any. On, he's just on the side. Yeah, there was nobody at the table working the table to, to sell right. them. Um, we'll so, buy some for right, the office. We need to find them independent of yeah. the table now. But Bob's a great guy. He'll always interrupt me and be like, oh, you guys had us number two last year, and I'm getting fired, and, you know, it's just it's true. Anyway, um, my point was to name drop the fact that I was a three-time keynote speaker at the Cool Clinic, throw that on the Jets resume as well, speaking oh, to all these offensive line guys. And uh, I was saying, yeah, it's the old line that is essentially uh, more responsible for running back production than the running back himself. Um, so, yeah, it's a fascinating discussion with Le'Veon Bell, what the Jets want to do. A big part of this rift, if you guys haven't kept up with it, the fact that Adam Gase didn't want to spend a ton of money mm. on Le'Veon Bell, which we think is uh, – which we, we are in agreement with. with He's Adam made Gase. some interesting decisions in the past when it comes to running backs. I mean, they shipped off Jay Ajayi after his sort of breakout where he looked like a phenomenal running back, decided they were legitimately better off without him. He kept – Kenyon Drake on the bench, electing instead to plow Frank Gore in the offensive line the time and time again. One. Yeah, I mean, they're all interesting decisions he's made with running backs. So I, I'm not even I don't have a comment on that other than look at the interesting decisions he's made with running backs, and now Le'Veon Bell is right. front and center when it comes to what they're going to do. Just to, just to highlight um, who's in competition with me. For the Jets GM oh, yeah? job. Uh, Joe Douglas, who's with the Philadelphia Eagles, is apparently the front runner. Okay. He has a history with Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. I bet he also has a deck. I don't know if he does. We'll see. Because he probably would have the job by now if he's the front runner. A front runner with the deck would be there. Okay. So Joe Douglas has a history with Daniel Jeremiah. There's talk of them coming over as a package deal, uh, GM slash player personnel type of combination they worked with together with the Ravens. Um, and then with the strategic thinker comments uh, i think that's what opened the door for peyton manning to be what in discussions here for the general you didn't know that no he's in the gm discussion here peyton manning is in so the it's G- joe douglas peyton manning steve palazzola we're all in the mix here together and peyton's in the mix he's got a history with adam gase you know because the gm has to be a collaborator uh-huh. got to collaborate with that adam gase you got to know where he wants to sit and the, adjust accordingly the nfl collectively appears to be falling over itself to give Peyton Manning some kind of giant important job somewhere like apparently they rolled up the Brinks truck to Colorado to get Peyton Manning in the ESPN Monday Night Football booth and he was so like, I don't yeah, know, you know what? I don't I don't want that so you know what he did for ESPN that those those breakdowns and detail detail yeah granted they were drop my pen that's a big negative they were pre-recorded and all that stuff so we have no idea behind the scenes how long it took or whatever but they were really good you know, yeah. and he's and he's he's already done pretty well as an actor and 
you know, commercials and all that stuff. So he's got a good delivery and he's funny and all that stuff. So I can imagine him being good on TV. I don't – we still don't know that great players make great evaluators, especially a guy like Peyton Manning. For all the time and effort that he put into studying and all that stuff, that was so that he could understand the game well and be better and execute on the field, which doesn't necessarily mean he knows what is going to make a good player. See, I think he would be – I think Peyton Manning would be the type of player who translates really well to that kind of thing. I think the players that str- – are. Yeah, the players that struggle with that stuff are the guys who it's all instinct. And there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of hard work involved, but it's it's I'm just stupidly talented and with this hard work I become better than all of you. And where they struggle is you get to now you're a coach or you're a GM and your issue is I don't understand why you can't just be better. Why can't you just yeah, do what Jordan, I did? Wayne Gretzky struggled. Right. All those guys. There's but those guys countless worked examples. hard too. Yes, but they worked hard to maximize the talent advantage they had over everybody. And when you're now translating that to you're the guy coaching or you're the guy watching it, you're like, why can't you guys just stop sucking? Yeah, well, Pey- why can't you just, in that book. Uh, when I work was, hard, you're bet- I better. Why, why can't you just be better? Peyton was pretty much slam dunk number one overall pick. He right. always had this His thing wasn't just working ball. hard. It was the detail. It's why he was so good on that stuff. You can hear him talk through the tiny little details that give you a percentage point here, a percentage point there. I can easily see him understanding exactly where guys need to work on, how guys, why they already have things that will make them good and, and how to maximize that. I, the people that struggle are the ones who just, well, as long as you're working hard, why can't you just be better at what you do? I yeah. was. Where's, what, what's your problem? I just don't know if it's a, I just don't know that it's a slam dunk. Hmm. I don't know that that ability is, but like gives between, him an advantage over the next guy, right? right? That's been in player personnel or whatever it but is. But between we'll the ESPN thing and apparently the Eagles job, why are we in such a rush to throw a giant important job at Peyton Manning? I don't know, because people think, you know, he's a great quarterback, therefore he'll be good at all this stuff. I mean, okay. I agree. I mean, he's probably the number th- It's probably Joe Douglas, me, Peyton Manning. I mean, in that order. Why? why? In that order? Come on. I mean, Joe's get- the, the, look, he's the reported front runner. I'm just going by the reporting here. Okay. You're going by the Vegas it doesn't odds. mean I can't overtake him. Yeah, all right. All right. Is that good for the yeah, Jets? Sure. Yes. Let's move on. Look, if I'm not here next week, it's because I'm in New York for good. Moving the family. To the Meadowlands, at least three years. Get, get at least three good years in there before I get canned. Hmm. Well, it's just, just, that's just how I'm selling it to Kelly. Oh, okay. I'm just selling it to her. She's like, oh, I don't really want to do this. I was like, look, I was like, you know, just give it a few years. I'll get fired soon enough. Huh. You know? Let's cut that part out. Let's cut that. That's not good. Well, that can't go pitch. to the Jets, right? They, I mean, they can't know you're thinking that way. I'm just explaining how I'm selling it to my wife. There's got to be a I'll really be there for like Positive mental attitude kind of deal. That, what's the thing that Conor McGregor works off, the whole vision, see it, and it'll happen? You need to do that. It's, that's important these I, days. I'm seeing a 15-year Make it happen career. mentally. I'm seeing it. I'm just telling her it's going right, to be. Right, but you can't. Like, this, this is on camera. You can't tell the Jets that. Okay, we'll cut that part out. That's not true. Okay. Um, but I could turn the Jets around. We're going to build around Sam Darnold. We need we're gonna, a, we're gonna get the we're gonna spend nine hundred draft picks on corners. You need to get the guys out there working on a Steve Palazzolo for GM T shirt that we can sell in the store. Ooh, that's actually that's a good call. Uh, but see? it's gotta be team agnostic, right? I, it's yeah, just general, sure. generic, and we'll just pull it out every single time there's a GM opening. 
right? It can't be like specifically to the Jets or anything like that. Imagine if he became the first GM ever hired because of a uh, groundswell T-shirt campaign. Well, listen, you got Mayock coming off of NFL Network, and then Daniel Jeremiah. Hey, I mean that. I mean, John yours will Lynch be yeah. coming out of the yours booth. will be social media driven rather than media driven. But same That's idea. A good call though. That's a good call. Mm-hmm. Enough people start wearing your T-shirts. The uh, the Johnsons are going to take notice. They're going to go, huh? Maybe we should uh, bring in this guy, Christopher. Take note, Christopher. I'm your guy. Uh-huh. All right. Let's move on to some of the other NFL news. Patrick Peterson is suspended for six games. I kept wondering, why was it six? Right, because four games is the typical first offense uh, punishment, right? Correct. And you said it was because he failed and tried to mask or manipulate the result. Well, I didn't say it as much as Ian Rappaport said Research. it. I simply yeah. documented his findings. I don't have an, an intimate amount of knowledge with the testing process. They don't tell me when guys fail. Yeah, so I'm curious where reporting. you would have tried to, if that means like, like is a wizenator trying to mask the process? <laughs> or is it what Ryan Braun did? You know Ryan Braun? No. Brewers? He basically tried to like bully the um, actual collectors or like blamed the collectors so, for it. And he kind of interfered and all that stuff. So are you going to, is this an after the fact they were the reports that I've seen have said that it was like a masking agent. Oh, okay. So you know you're taking so something the and then trying agent. to hide the thing that you're taking by whatever masking agent you're is. I mean, it's about time he got caught. Dude's a linebacker sized corner. He's awesome. <laughs> so there have been people that said that the thing itself was. So he. This is always you get into this tricky world of you know what because everybody cries tainted supplement right that's usually. Mm-hmm. Step one for when you fail a drug test, it's, oh, I don't know. I have no, no idea how that got in my system. It must have been in the protein powder I was taking. Uh, and then, Which is part of your responsibility right. as a player. Anyway. But that's the thing, right? If you go, yeah, sorry, I was roided to the gills. I thought it would help. Nobody yep. has sympathy for that guy. But if you say, look, I was just taking the creatine, and it turns out that was laced with, you know, roids. You're like, okay, yeah, that, I, I, can, I can feel some sympathy with that guy, even though it's, you know, your responsibility to check the list of, approved supplements and all that kind of stuff but that's usually step one so there have been people that have said that he took something got the stuff in his system somehow found out about it and then tried to hide it you know what i mean it's like oh crap i've taken this stuff now hide it so i don't get masking agent before right but so the idea was that the the actual so it wasn't that he was just you know roiding himself silly for years and then got caught it was took something Found out, realized, uh oh, made a mistake, tried to hide that, and that's what got him yeah. into trouble. I have no idea, but. I'm always yeah. interested with how, how long people were on this stuff and how often they're actually getting drug tested because the drug testing is truly random. Our guys really getting tested enough throughout the years that but also, know, they can get away with taking some chances. This is, it, it is a kind of pitiful punishment for what could be. A pretty serious offense. Oh, yeah, take the four to six games. Like whatever about so take the benefits. The league has like the two different types, right? It's the um, substance abuse program, which is like weed, essentially weed and other you know non-performance enhancing but frowned upon substances. And then there's the PED substance abuse or the PED program, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Like four games for the first time you're caught doing PEDs. If you've spent years. On the steroids, like juicing yourself senseless, 
like that could, that is a significant performance enhancing oh, yeah. result. And the first time you're caught, it's four games. Like, dude, you think the four first four games of the season that could benefit you over the year. Do it every contract year. I chill for the first four games. Come back. I only have to play a twelve game season, and I'm firing on all cylinders because I spent the last two years take the roided out of my mind. It's also a, it's an interesting dynamic where historically in baseball there's just this black mark against guys right. that get caught because everybody's oh the records and this and that and then in football it's like ah oh, he served his time right. It's always kind of been Done. that way. Uh, so people forget more in football. Anyway, Patrick Peterson's out six games. What does this mean for the Cardinals? They went from the situation where Byron Murphy, their second-round pick, who we loved and is a great yeah. scheme fit, is finally working. the second guy to Patrick Peterson, yeah. and now he has to be number one. Right, exactly. So it could have been Peterson and Murphy. It will be, at least after six games. Um, they don't necessarily have a number one corner or track guy in the uh, Vance Joseph system there, but essentially you know, you're not getting that Peterson-Murphy combination that we right. were hoping for. Coming at least out of for the six draft. games. So, a little bit of an issue for the Cardinals. Can we stay on the Cardinals for a little bit? Sure. So, there's an article that went up on ProFootballFocus.com this week talking about um, David Johnson and the impact he could have within this system. And I think generally the Cliff Kingsbury offense is an interesting one to talk about, right? He comes from this air raid system, this Mike Leach lineage of you know, classic college spread offenses. The, the, the NFL has been trending more to spread concepts for years. And even th- within those ideas, there are these hyper spread systems that, you know, right. and that the air raid is one of those where it's five wide a ton of the time. The run game, you know, Mike Leach is one of these coaches that talks about balance and how balance is not run pass. All the stuff we've been talking about, yeah, balance right. is not run pass. Balance is just ensuring that you don't know what's coming. And they basically use the passing game to almost determine when they run the ball. We're not going to run the ball until the box count is beneficial, and then we'll run it. So you've got this system where Kingsbury's coming over from Texas Tech. You've got a quarterback, a new one that should be an upgrade. Kyla Murray, we thought, was a significantly better prospect coming out than Josh Rosen, hence the move that the Cardinals had to make. He has this added dimension with what he can do. Um rushing the ball as well as being a, an excellent passer of the football. They went hard to surround him with weapons in the draft. Um, you know, Andy Isabella, they got a ton of wide receivers to throw the ball to. You've got David Johnson, who in his breakout season was a phenomenal receiving back, and not just out of the backfield. His average depth of target was the highest we've seen from a running back. They were splitting him out wide, having him run legitimate wide receiver patterns putting the ball downfield. Thank you, Bruce Arians. Right. So you've got suddenly all these pieces kind of aligning to be this really interesting system. Their offensive line still has a lot of question marks, but one, you've got Kyla Murray, who will mitigate a lot of offensive line problems in the same way Russell Wilson does, just by right. you know running around. Two, you've got the system, which does the same kind of thing. You have all these guys up Generally in, helps. Well, you have all these guys up in Washington State under Mike Leach, who don't ever give up any pressure because the ball is gone. It's just an endless sequence of quick passes. Those guys are not put under the same kind of pressure that you think of, you know, say Aaron Rodgers at the other end of the scale. The Green Bay Packers. He holds the ball forever. Right, they have to deal with three-second drops every time they're going back to pass block. Every time the Cardinals go back to pass block from now on, they're going to be dealing with like 1.5 seconds, the ball's gone. You could hold up for that length of time pass blocking on the edge. So 
suddenly you've got this. That's one really, job I will not be applying for. Good. Suddenly you've got this really intriguing set of things all coming together to make the Cardinals like a really interesting team to watch. I also, yeah. So they were one of the worst teams to watch last year. Yeah. I also look at their personnel on the offensive line and as bad as they were last year. Right. I don't. It wouldn't surprise me if they did creep back toward average, even if they were running uh, a more traditional type of system with guys like Mason Cole in year two and Justin Pugh. Again, it's like every year is he healthy in the trading for Marcus Gilbert. DJ Humphreys has continued to improve. J.R. Sweezy's, yeah, Max Garcia. I mean, they've got some guys that can right. be. There's like a half decent offensive line mediocre. in there somewhere. Yeah. It's just who knows if it'll actually come together that way. Now, I don't think that he's running the straight 10 personnel, which is four wide receivers. Yeah, there's no, no way. End. There's no way like pure, unadulterated. Yeah. Well, that's not what they did at Tech anyway, in. because he's he's run all sorts of different hybrids. But just the fact that he has a guy like Ricky Seals Jones, who's listed as a tight end, but was a receiver at Texas A&M, uh, Charles Clay who I know he's getting a little bit older, but back in the day at Tulsa was like Mr. Hybrid, halfback, tight end. And David Johnson. You've got a ton of these David Johnson. Uh, We mentioned we have Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. What they're able to do, of course, Larry Fitzgerald, um, Hakeem Butler. I mean, they just have all sorts of different style playmakers. It is going to be fascinating to watch. Um, Kingsbury, if you look at the quarterbacks he's worked with through the years, what a list. Case Keenum. In college. So college Case Keenum when he was tearing it up. Setting records. Johnny Menzel during his you know two-year, uh, well, his Heisman Trophy run. Um, and then at Texas Tech, he had Baker Mayfield for that one season. He had Patrick Mahomes. It is a fascinating list of some really good quarterbacks that he's worked with. And now that's not giving him credit for any of that stuff. Maybe give him some credit for the Johnny Menzel and his development and Case Keenum's development. Baker, he grabbed as a walk-on. Who he started as a walk-on true freshman, had a nice season in 2013. Mahomes, you know, I guess he developed, he found and developed Mahomes, but he's got this history and track record of working with some of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL in Case Keenum. Yeah, I just think it's going to be really fascinating to see this team. Uh, aside, for, it would be interesting anyway, it, just with the guys they've collected in terms of personnel, the the changes they've made there. Right. But this offensive system in the NFL, or what this offensive system looks like in the NFL is going to be really, really interesting to watch because it is, you know, there, are, there is a fairly wide spectrum now of what NFL teams are doing from an offensive point, a schematic point of view, right? There are still teams that, you know, all at one end, you've got the Baltimore Ravens with their run-heavy thing because they've got a quarterback that, you know, isn't great passing the ball anymore. Um, hmm. And even that, with Greg Roman's system, it's like a creative run heavy system so it's interesting in and of its own right just different from everything else but then you've got various spectrums of how spread happy is this team how how kind of college like is this offense and then right the way at the other end of the scale you've got cliff kingsbury system and what that could be like that could be anywhere from you know extreme college end of the spectrum to somewhere that's just you know relatively extreme from the nfl side of things where it falls in the spectrum of what that offense could be is going to be interesting to watch and then how successful that is at the NFL level. Oh, we'll be watching. We're watching a lot more Cardinals this year. Um, so David Johnson, nice little write-up on profootballfocus.com to see uh, exactly how he's going to fit in. Let's fly through the last couple pieces of news. Darren Lee, um, so going back to the Jets for a minute here, Adam Gase takes over as GM, flips Darren Lee to the Chiefs for a sixth-round pick. Reportedly, this had been in the works for a while. It wasn't just Adam took the reins and 
right. pull the trigger on a trade, I don't think. Um, <laughs> the way you want to. I know you got into some discussion online about Darren Lee and his grade was good, and you're saying he's not great in coverage. So context is king when it comes to all this stuff. Last year, right. he was a top five coverage grade at linebacker. But when we look at linebacker coverage grades, the multi-year sample is the most important part of this thing. So, yeah, there was a comment somewhere in the thing that the Chiefs believe Darren Lee to be one of the best coverage linebackers in all of football. Now, my comment was maybe if your standards start with Anthony Hitchens and Reggie Ragland, you might believe that. But if your standards actually include any other linebackers, that would appear to be crazy. And then people's comments was, well, he was top five by pro football focus last year. You saying your own grades don't matter? No, we're like, sa- all, the point we're, is no. Like we're saying multiple years of grading. Right. Well, not matters. even multiple. So dive deeper than that, right? The whole point is if you use one number for anything, it's silly. Use more than one number. Stick with the grades if you want. I don't care if you want to. You don't need to fold stats into this to make the argument. The number last year was driven essentially by two extremely highly graded games and the rest of his season didn't suck as much as the previous two seasons sucked in coverage. Well, the rest of so his the, season was solid. So. Right. So those two grades pulled up a, an otherwise solid season to look a lot better than it was. Now, the complaint some people have was why would two, two games be able to warp a grade that much? Now, part of this is because he was suspended four games. So it's not two out of 16. It's two out of, tw- uh, two out of 12, right. which is a lot easier to warp. Um, and two, because the other, the baseline outside of that wasn't as bad as it had been in previous um, seasons, right? It's the two years prior to that, his grades were in the 40s for coverage. So you've got like one year in the 40s, two year in the 40s. Then you've got year three, which is a little higher. The baseline is, you know, 50s, 60s, and then two outstanding grades that pull that up a little bit. Now, if you want to look at just last year, and the high grade because driven by those two really good games, I think you get fed a misrepresentation of what the broader context shows, which is a guy that has two years of terrible grading, one year of okay grading, and then two outstanding games. To me, if you're looking at what that would produce in 2019, you're still ending up below average, average at best. So it's it's the nature of numbers, though, Sam, is, is part of... It's not – so I don't think it's a knock on the system as much as it's a it's a, the nature of numbers, okay? So let's use – we said that there were two great games that skewed things, mm-hmm. right? And the rest of it was solid. It was good. I mean, yeah, it was, take out those was, two games, his grade forward. is 60-something so, for coverage. let's use Mitch Trubisky as an example here. His passer rating last year was 94, okay? Mm-hmm. If you take out his top two games, You're which were already pissing off Bears fans, by I know. The way. I just always they, have to. They hated when he did this the last time. Trubisky, if you take out those top two games, which did occur, they did. But you take them out. Mm-hmm. Six touchdown game against Tampa Bay and a great game against the Detroit Lions, where he had a passer rating above fit one fifty and above one forty eight or whatever it was. He drops down to eighty four, so it drops ten points. Okay, in just those weeks, that ranks thirtieth in the NFL. The ninety four though, where does that rank in the NFL? Let me see here. Going back. I should have started with this one. Yeah. The 94 ranked 17th. So he goes from 17th to 30th. And this is a guy that played 16 games and, pa- and has, you know, 500-plus attempts. So there's a large data point. And it, this is just an example of numbers, okay? So even quarterbacks who have a much larger sample size than, say, 
linebackers in coverage, much larger sample size, um, using a, a stat like passer rating, two games can skew a guy from 17th to 30th, just as, as an example. So part of it is just the way numbers work. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand the context behind where this stuff came through. The analysis for Darren Lee is he had two straight years of coverage in the 40s, and then last year was a top five or six player. So you could say, okay, he took a step forward. That's great. Maybe he's turning the corner. But you do still have to use that bigger sample size and say, well, his three-year coverage grade is actually 54.1. Yeah. That is 45th out of 54 linebackers with at least 100 targets. 45 out of 54. That's probably a truer number than what we just saw from last year. And this is one thing we just we try to do here at PFF is to tell you, even though we're putting out these grades, it's a one-year number, and there's always more context right. available. And I don't think there's anything wrong with this idea. So all those Bears fans get mad because you say, well, if you take out these two games from Trubisky, he sucked, right? They're like, well, why would you take him out? They happened. He was amazing. You're like, fair. Absolutely fair. So let's not take away the two games that Darren Lee was spectacular last year. Let's include them in and say, last year, largely driven off two spectacular games, Darren Lee had a top five coverage grade among linebackers. So last year, he was really good. Right. Largely dri- but, it, but you have to understand, one, it was largely driven off two games, which is a bigger um, sample size sort of warper for him because he only played 12. But two, we don't care about last year anymore. What we're looking to try and do is say, in 2019 and 20 and 21, what is Darren Lee likely to be? And then you ask yourself, is he more likely to be the player that turned up in two games and was spectacular or the player that was terrible for two years before that or somewhere in the middle, which is a guy who graded a baseline of 60 last year and had his grade pulled up by two games? Well, there's a couple other things at play. We were just talking about Patrick Peterson getting suspended. Uh Darren Lee got suspended for four games for for whatever he did. Yeah. Early in the season, he had two really good games. Later in the season, he's suspended for four weeks for PEDs. So you actually have to step back and say, okay, he has two years in the 40s in coverage, and then one good year in the year that he got suspended. Okay, so who's the real Darren Lee? How long has he been doing this? All that stuff. All of that said, from the Chiefs' perspective, giving up a sixth-round pick to take a shot at improving your coverage unit at linebacker is fine. I have no problem with that. It's a sixth-round pick. Who cares? Right? So... It's just it's a new it's a more nuanced conversation than you atta- you know getting attacked and attacking back with your Twitter followers. Not a bad move by the Chiefs. There's no guarantee that he's going to be another top uh, top five coverage linebacker again. And who the heck is Darren Lee anyway? He got suspended last right. year. My we point don't know what he is, is simply that if you like believing that he's already a top coverage linebacker in the NFL would seem to be silly. And the fact that he graded top five last year for us does not counter that argument. Right. Because if you look beyond that one number and look at the same grades across a different period of time or even just break them down on a game-by-game basis, you still would come away with significant question marks that he is a top-five player in the NFL, even if he graded that way over 12 games. He kicked off the season with an excellent two-interception, one-pass breakup game against the Detroit Lions where Matthew Stafford was uh, quite horrendous. Yeah. He also broke up two passes in the Vikings game. It's kind of the nature of the linebacker position in general you can have um, some high-end games like that that might skew things a little bit it's the nature of that but as i mentioned the trubisky example you know that can happen all right let's wrap it up with this chris long retires did you see 
Did we call out Jim Nagy for that ridiculous comment? <laughs> yeah, he went from praising uh, praising Chris Long to f- taking random shots at Nick Bosa. Just unprompted taking shots at Nick Bosa, saying, well, this is why I didn't think Nick Bosa was a great p- prospect. I didn't think he was as good as Chris Long on tape. It's just like the most the random is, qualifier it wasn't to throw even, in there. Right. It wasn't even like I th- he was genuinely attempting, I think, to praise um, Chris Long. Yeah. Just randomly threw Nick Bosa under the bus in order to do it. Anyway. So well, anyway. Nick Bosa's tape wasn't anywhere near where Chris Long's tape was back in the day from Virginia. So we don't have Chris Long Virginia grades, but I, also, I disagree that Nick Bosa might not be up to Chris Long type of standards. But as far as Chris Long's career, uh, very good pass rusher for much of his career. I mean, finished strong. Even you know with New England and with Philadelphia, like the last couple of years, he was still getting after the quarterback. He's a guy who I would genuinely love to get his college grades because it, it's hard to know without going back and checking again. But I remember him coming out as this sort of three-four defensive end. That's what he played. Run stuffing yeah. specialist, right? And then if anything in the NFL, he flipped that and he became this edge rush speed guy who who would sacrifice defending the run to get pressure. Now, some of that is, some of that can be, what are you being asked to do? But it's just, I, I can't, it's hard to know without the PFF grades and the, you know, the alignment data and all that kind of stuff. But just from my own memory, well, he, it's hard to think of a guy who flipped what he was so dramatically from college to NFL. He played under Al Groh at Virginia. Al Groh was a classic old school NFL 3-4 right. coach. And he had them running a 3-4 and Chris Long was a 3-4 defensive end. And he had that size, 6'4", six, six, you know, six, six, 270, 280 range, which was kind of your classic 3-4 defensive end type mm-hmm. of player. Um, Adam Carricker a couple years ago was similar. He yeah, had that yeah. like, long frame. Now, he moved to the interior in the NFL, whereas Long moved, to the edge. moved out to the edge. It was just a, an interesting dynamic character. And they were teammates for a little bit over in St. Louis. But yeah, Long was just a pure edge defender. And his run defense grades weren't great for years. And he you know, got after the quarterback quite a bit. As he, you know, as his workload eased up a little bit, though, he became that guy that I think was just a little bit more efficient rushing the passer and, you know, still finished with over 60 pressures each of the last three years, if you include the playoffs. Yeah, so I nice think career. he's another one of those guys that escaped the system he was in for a few years and then got a couple of shots at Super Bowls, won back-to-back Super Bowls, Eagles and then Patriots. Um, it's nice to see a guy end it that way. Yeah. You know, a guy who was a really good player for an extremely long period of time, got consistent pressure throughout his entire career, then takes a couple of shots as that situational pass rusher, you know, knowing that he's not going to be the every down guy anymore, but knowing he can still make an impact, made some huge plays, you know, got a strip sack in the NFC championship game against the Vikings. That was really what started that whole momentum swing in that game. It was close early. And then that was really the play that started to start there, change things from being a close back and forth to being a blowout for the Eagles. Um, so yeah, good good way to go out, and deserves a huge amount of credit for what he was doing off the field for the last couple of years. Played sure. last year for free, donated his entire salary to causes to better you know other people's lives. I mean that's obviously huge. Like the guy was getting paid was it ten million, and didn't take a home a cent of that. So good stuff, Chris Long. Nice career. One of the guys that we've got the uh, the full career graded. I am. If you guys have premium stats, you guys can check it out. Premium stats all a part of your PFF Elite package. We good for today? Yeah. All right. So, Tyler, we'll cut up that top part. We'll fire it over to the Jets, and we'll just see. Maybe mm. I won't be here. Maybe I won't be here next week. 
they if they call back. Let's turn that around pretty quickly. I'll get the deck going. See if the Jets come calling. Yeah. What? I, no. I'm just I'm less confident in this job opportunity than the Bengals DC. I think you had a I thought your shot at that job. was better. That's a bigger job. Right. I just you feel less prepared for this one than you were for the Bengals DC. You were, you know, reinventing yeah. coverages and all kinds of stuff for that. Here you just I don't know, it just it doesn't feel as concrete. It's a little generic. Yeah. You didn't uh you didn't give me the lead. You're putting questions. the general in general manager. I'm just not sure that's the way to go. Well, I'm a collaborator, I'm so I'm going to need help from everyone else. Sure. But I'm going to pull it all together in the end. Just doesn't seem like the strongest pitch in the world. Well, there's always a the job. I'm going to come in and lean on everybody else, and that's how we're going to get this thing done. You yeah, know? you have to admit that you uh, don't have all the answers. It is, that's, nobody does that, though. I know. Changing the game here. All right, guys. We'll be back next week. We'll see. We'll see if we'll be back. Sam will at least be back here next week for the PFF podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to get to profootballfocus.com as we continue to discuss all NFL news throughout the offseason. And don't forget to get your PFF Edge or Elite package because you get 365 days of access. And right now Mm -hmm. is the time to tune in. Look, Jeff... Uh, Jeff Ratcliffe's top 200 PPR rankings just came out. Yeah. So it's fantasy season. You for get in people. just before the fantasy season starts. You get all the way through the season. You get the draft process. This is actually a great time to be buying in because you get, uh, like you get the full year. You get everything. Yeah, and if you're going to get it anyway, don't wait till July. Just get it now and right, get that no extra point. couple you're months getting, of research. You're getting everything. the year anyway. Yeah, exactly. So Why wait? get it now. Go do it at profootballfocus.com. Thanks, guys. We'll tune in or uh, tune in with us. Yeah, next week. Sweet Ooh. outro. Yeah, sweet. Move on to the Jets. Smooth. We're on to the Jets. You are. Hopefully. Hey. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, You have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus nfl